Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. So we, we've been, with Matthew, connecting the dots, been connecting the old with the new, and God has been opening us up to um, how some of the prophecies of old, Jesus came and he fulfilled in the new. Now we're going to run. We're going to move with Mark. Amen. We're on the move with Mark. You know, Mark is interesting because in the first chapter, the very first verse, he just declares, he says, look, this is about the good news of Jesus. We're just going to talk about him. He don't even give a birth narrative. He just gets to it. So we're moving in Mark. In fact, before the 21st verse, Jesus is on the scene. He's been baptized. He's been in the wilderness. And he's called four disciples. It don't take him long to be strong. Amen? So he's on the move. So there are some things that is happening that is really to, to, to shine the light on the authority and the power of Jesus. Who is this man? It's in the first chapter, we learned that he was in a synagogue and there was an unclean spirit. And he cast out the unclean spirit. And the people were like, he speaks with such authority. Who is this man? It was Simon and Andrew went over to Simon's house and his mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And Jesus went to the house and he took her by the hand. And the Bible says when he set her up, the fever broke. And the mother-in-law went and made him a meal. Like, who is this man goes on in chapter one. It talks about a leper. You know, most lepers, they couldn't be around other folks. They had to be on the outskirts of town talking about unclean, unclean. But Jesus touched him. He touched the leper and he healed him of his leprosy. Who is this man? Chapter two, Jesus was preaching a sermon in somebody's house and it was a packed house. And some friends, four friends, they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. So they went to the roof and they ripped the roof off. And they let down their friend who was a paralyzed man, was a paralegic. Jesus stopped the sermon. And Jesus spoke to uh, the source, not the symptom. Jesus said, look, your sins are forgiven. People said, well, what do you mean his sins are forgiven? He's lame. Jesus said, just so you know that God has the power to set free. Pick up your mat and walk. He spoke to the symptom, but he really dealt with the source. Who is this man? Chapter 5, he gets to keep an appointment with a Gadarene who was demon-possessed. And when he got over to the other side, because we're going to get to it, when he got there, it was a man who had never been tamed. And Jesus tamed him. People was wondering, who is this man? It was at that same uh, chapter 6. We find that Jesus goes to chapter 6, and there's people all over the place. It's getting late in the evening, and there's no food. Jesus takes two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000. The question is, who is this man? It was in chapter 5 when Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house that he was so sensitive that as he's walking with people throwing him all over him, he felt the virtue go out of his robe. He had enough sensitivity to turn to the woman and say, who touched me? 
and was healing a woman who was sick and infirm for over 12 years, bleeding, a woman with the issue of blood. Who is this man? Jesus. But when you think about your life and what he's done for you and how he's brought you out when your body, you went for a checkup and you had a diagnosis that wasn't good, but he stepped in and he gave you peace in the midst of your storm. Who is this man? Put food on your table, clothes on your back, spread his wings and watch over your family. He's been better to you than you've been to yourself. Who is this man? That's what I want to talk about today. But in the context of Mark chapter 4, we're going to talk about storms. Listen, a storm, I think it's well described that when we talk about our lives, when there's trials and tribulations, when there's a commotion, when there's things that rock us, when there's things that knock us off guard, that we talk about going through some storms. And it's the commotion. It's, it's the family member that talking about, oh, can I get a loan? And you know, you know they're not going to pay it back. <laughs> they're just trying to agitate you. They're just trying to start some commotion. You know it's, it's, it's you know, on your job. People, you know, they, 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 it's the little prodding that you get, the stuff, that, it's the, it's the low-level pressure. Because I'm going to tell you, so when storms, it's commotion, but it starts with pressure. There's oftentimes low-level pressure, you know, something happened with the car, you know, there's something that, you know, with the kids, they're unruly. It's the low-level pressure. It's the low-level pressure that's heavy in this cold air that falls down. And as it's falling down, it meets that warm air that starts to rise up. And when the warm air meets the cold air, the atmospheric pressure is just right for a storm. The pressures of life. It's not, it's not sometimes that one thing, sometimes it's a combination of the low-level things and all of a sudden... Mama die. The one who you've leaned on, the one who you've asked everything, the one who made all of the Thanksgiving meals, the one who was able to speak life in dead situations, but now grandma and mama and them gone. What are you going to do now? That's why I ask the question, who is this man? Because storm's going to come, and maybe you're here, and you're like, you know, Brother Brown, um, I already heard people talk about it, and I know you're going to say it. Yeah, I'm going to say it right now. Either you're in a storm, you coming out of a storm, I hate to tell you, you headed for one. So I would ask that you don't dismiss this idea of storms because they're all around. Some storms, they're, 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 they're eruptions. They, they, they happen like, boom, all of a sudden they pop up. It's not because you've done something. Sometimes we're going to talk about some storms that are self-inflicted. But sometimes they, you're, just trying to, you're just trying to read it, live it, and learn it. Or you're trying to read it, learn it, and live it. But either way, it pops up. In the middle of the night, you see your phone light up. In the middle of the day, you get a call. That's life. Eruptions. Storms. Some storms are inner storms. Like, you haven't dealt with some stuff. You haven't shared it with anybody. And you, every time you go to bed and every time you wake up, it's just raging in you and you can't find rest. There are some inner storms that you've been carrying and that if you could just find a brother or a sister, somebody who you can lean on and you can walk with you a little bit and deal with the things that's on the inside. Some inner storms you can't talk to anybody about, but it's still there. It's the unforgiveness. 
People are dead and gone. And you're still carrying that because they hurt you. It's the evil thoughts, the things like, even, listen, you can be down on your knees praying and the thought will come. And you have some things that you are looking at on your screen at work and all of a sudden this other thing pop up and there you go. It's the inner things that you don't want to share because it's heavy, it's weighty, it's guilt, it's shame. They're inside. But then there's the familiar ones. The familiar storm, it's the thing that you're struggling with. It could be the addiction. It could be your anger. It could be the thing that you know it trips you up. It's familiar. You know you've been down that road and you've managed to cope. You've managed to figure out how I'm going to deal with this storm, how I'm going to deal with these pressures. And God is saying, I don't want you to deal with the pressure. I want you to get rid of the pressure. I want to be able to take that out of your life and then you go to higher ground. And then there's these overwhelming things that happen. It's overwhelming because it's familiar, but it seems like it's never happened like this. It's, it's the thing that pop up and it breaks you. It, 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 it. This is an overwhelming Jesus. The storms that's in the life of the parents, of the family, how overwhelming it is. The storm in the life of these parents and their families, the pressure, the In our text, the Bible says that Jesus, he had been healing many, delivering folks of their diseases, that he had been putting work in. That's what he came for. And people began to follow him from far and near. And he saw it coming. He, he, he didn't call ahead, but he said in, in the chapter before, he told the disciples, I'm going to need a boat. Because people are coming up on me, if you read the text, and say, I don't want them to crush me. I don't want them to be thronging on me. I need some space. So I say, I'm going to need a boat. So he got to chapter 4, and the Bible says that he um, aborted a ship, but one of the boats, and he sat down. And when he sat down, he was on the ship, which he used as a pulpit, and all the people was on the lake on shore. And he began by talking about Seeds and sowing of seeds. And he began in chapter 4 saying, listen, check your hearts. Because as the word comes forth, the word of God is going to either fall by the way path. It's going to fall on dry ground and have no effect at all. Maybe it's going to fall on some stony ground because you're going to get excited about this word. There's going to be something in there. There's going to be a nugget. But yet when you leave, there's no root and it's going to fade. He said, check your heart. It might be that it takes root, but it's among thorns. So it takes root and it comes up. But because of the cares of the world, because of wealth, the worry and all the other stuff, it chokes out the word. But right here, right now, you can prepare the heart to receive the soil. So he's talking to him as he's sitting on the boat and there's lay on the shore. And later on in chapter four, he goes on to tell him about 
you know, the faith the size of a mustard seed. He talks about, you know, just a tiny, a little bit of faith has great, great impact. And as he talks to them about the faith, then he says, look, he's wore out. So he gets up. The Bible says that, that he's exhausted. And then they take him. It was evening that had come. Jesus said to the disciples, look, let's go. And I'm going to put it my way. Let's go on the other side. Because on the other side, sometimes, you know, with the storms of life, sometimes you just want to get through the storms and get over on the other side. <laughs> sometimes the storms are so bad, you just want to go from darkness to light. That you, you've been on this sea for so long that you just want to go from bitter to sweet. You, you want to get over? One of the goals of today is that wherever you are in your relationship with an almighty God, if you've been stagnant in your situation, now is the time to get over on the other side. Jesus got up and, and the Bible says that he said, look, let's go over to the other side. And by the way, uh, Andrew, uh, Simon, uh, James or John, they're not the ones that said it. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. And if he said it, you could take it to the bank. You could rest assured they're going to get over on the other side. I'll stop by to tell somebody that God loves you so much that he will not forget about you, that he sees you, he understands, and that you will get over to the other side. Storms don't last always. In the text. They had assurance because he said it, and that settles it. He had access. Listen, as long as Jesus is on board, you're going to get over to the other side. If you're going down a road, if you're on the, the seas of life and your ship don't have, if Jesus is not the captain of your soul, you might have a problem. They had assurance. They had access, but they were still afraid. I'm trying to help somebody. Don't you know you can still know the truth and still not be doing the truth? You know you can still have faith but still waver? Yeah, yeah. We can have assurance, access to the throne, and still be afraid? As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. So they took Jesus in the boat. And started out leaving the crowds behind. And I'm just going to say, and I said it earlier, can you imagine after Jesus spent all day preaching and teaching and pouring out his heart, Larry, that then he had to leave those folks on shore? Can you imagine? We were at uh, Roosevelt High School this past week. And as God moved and the message came forward and we gave opportunity for young people to, to, to learn and more and take, take on Jesus as, as Lord of their lives, I remember we were sitting, they were sitting in a circle and then Elijah was his name. I saw he was sitting, all of a sudden he got to his knees and as I was giving the invitation, Elijah came up strong. He was like, yeah, I'm ready. And as Elijah came up, two more came up. And as we were celebrating them, three more came up. Once we got done with FCA, I didn't want to leave them. I just wanted to just like, I want to tell you this is going to happen, this is going to, but you're going to be all right. This is going to happen. I just wanted to just keep them. I didn't want them to go back out into the world. I just wanted to keep pouring in. Can you imagine Jesus leaving them? 
It says that there were, there were also other boats that followed. In the King James, it was other little ships. So I thought I would work with that a little bit. So if you're going to get over to the other side, one of the things you're going to need is relationship. You're going to need a way that you know for yourself. You've got to have a personal relationship to get over to the other side because some stuff you're not going to be able to do by yourself. You've got to be able to be tethered to, to the God who has all power in his hand. Maybe you're here today and you've been like, yeah, I've been coming. I've been. What is your relationship? Because when they got on the sea and whatever they experienced where Jesus was, they were experiencing it too. Sometimes you're going to need fellowship because you can't be the only fellow in the ship. At some point, we're going to need each other. That we're going to need to lean and depend. I, I'm a little bit more stronger when I know I can go to you and you can go to me. I'm a little bit stronger if I have fellowship with an almighty God. He says in John 15, he says, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you shall bear much fruit. But without me, you can't do anything. That's got to be a fellowship of the Spirit. That's why I like first Sundays that we could come and atone with an almighty God and be in fellowship. You can't commune with a God in your sin. God says, look, you can't commune with me. You say, look, let a man or a woman examine themselves and then come. Relationship and fellowship. But every once in a while, if you're trying to mature, if you're trying to get better, you're trying to grow, you're trying to read it, live it, and learn it, learn it and live it. We got to become a disciple. We've got to sit under somebody. There's got to be discipleship. Discipleship is how you get over to the other side. God has given us friendship, and there's none like the lowly Jesus. There's not a friend like Jesus. Friendship is true. They're going through a storm. Don't you know a friend is born for adversity? That's Solomon. That's the word. If you're a friend and every time it gets hard, every time they go through a storm, you, you ghost them, you turn your phone off, you can't take their calls, that's not friendship. That's association. And association won't help you and it won't help them get over to the other side. You want to really know? Watch. You want to really know how to get over? Worship. 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 Worship, because when we give him praise that he so deserved, he inhabits the praises of his people. And when he inhabits his praise, we have his assurance because we have access to him, even when we are afraid. I wonder if anybody wanted to worship him for a little while. Just take 10 seconds. Stand on your feet and give God praise. I wonder if you're willing to get beyond yourself and worship an almighty God. Worship him. Praise him in the sanctuary. Praise him for his mighty acts. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. He is worthy from the rising of the sun to the going. If you want to give God praise, say yeah. yeah. All right, God be praised. Sometimes, sometimes it said that there were other ships. But as long as Jesus is on board, it's going to be all right. 
Maybe you, in the text, Jesus was sleeping. It says, at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. And I know, maybe you've been praying for a long time about that thing. It seems like he's asleep, that he don't hear, that, that somehow he's absent. If we can just take little nuggets, God's delay does not mean God's denial. That it feels like that he doesn't know and doesn't care. It says that this is what they did. If you're feeling like that, you got to wake him up. you got to get his attention. And can I tell you, the wind did not get his attention. The waves did not wake him up. Their worry did not wake him up. The Bible says that they woke him up shouting and shouting and crying out to God. So if you're spending time and you want to say, God, where are you? Sometimes God's like, are you willing to cry out? Go to that secret place. Fall on your face. Cry out to him. Are we too, too proud to be like, hey, look, I ain't got by yourself. David said, look, uh, I just want to go in that secret place, in the secret place of his tabernacle. I want to dwell in that space all the days of my life. Wake him up. Because when you wake him up, you get his ability and his authority. Why go through storms all by yourself when you have access? You can have assurance, even in your fear. Just wake him up. Because his ability and his authority is right there. He's got the power to do everything. All right, let's get to where. This, this is what I really want to talk about. Nope, I got to go back because I got to deal with it. Look. When Jesus woke up, <laughs> he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the waves. If you get this one. He rebuked the wind, and he spoke to the wave. The waves were the symptoms. The wind was the source. In the natural, what they could see were the waves filling up the boat. In the natural, what they can see, the waves were rocking them back and forth. In the, where they can see in the natural with the waves causing them fear, but the source was the wind. So Jesus woke up. He didn't go to the symptom. He went to the source. He rebuked the wind. It was the wind that was causing the waves <laughs> to get out of control. So what I'm saying is, we spend a lot of time focusing on what we can see, focusing on the waves, when we got to spend some time on the things that are unseen. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Here's what I'm talking about. Rebuke the wind. Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in heavenly places. I know that's a lot, but that is tight. It's tight. Your wife 
your significant other is not the enemy. Rebuke the unseen thing, the evil. We have to work in the spiritual realm. We have to, rebuke means to chasten and to reprimand. We've got to say, look, um, silence. Your house is out of control and the spirit of evil spirits all over. You've got to clear everything out and speak to it. If not, call some of the elders of the church. But you've got to deal with the, the unseen thing. Listen, if it's like kind of tricky because, ooh, spirits and all. From Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, when the fall occurred, when there was disobedience, it became a fallen world. Evil. And as the people of God, we have access and assurance to the truth. When Jesus woke up, he spoke to the waves, but he dealt with the source, the wind. He was familiar with the wind. You know, the, the ruah. He's familiar with that, but this wasn't of him. There are some things that we've got to say, uh, get, look, I'm going to drop it right here. I know in urgency, we say right here. Come on, right here. But in authority, we say not here. Not here. Not here. Satan, you got to go. Jesus dealt with the source. Take command. Not here, not now. Your boss. Folks, yeah, I know we look. Your neighbor. It's not the enemy. It's the thing. It's that, it's that, that mindset. It's that, that evil spirit that opposes everything that God has. That will come along to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill marriages. Kill families. Destroy all the dreams that people have. That's what he does. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's a liar. Rebuke him. You might say, thank you. You might say, well, that was Jesus. But uh, last I remember, we have power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, wind have to bow down. In the name of Jesus, waves have to submit. In the name of Jesus, your house got to be in order. In the name of Jesus, that diagnosis can change. In Jesus' name, he can take cancer and make a cure. In the name of Jesus. Rebuke. Reprimand. Not, not here. Whose house? Here we go. All right. James 4, as, we, as scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves. You might say, I ain't doing all that. Humble yourself. Resist the devil. He's going to flee. He can't stay in the name of Jesus. He can't stay when, he, when he's not wanted. But he's crouching at the door. But he can't stay. Not here. So. He rebuked the wind, but he spoke to the waves. The symptoms are those things that we could see in the natural. But we got to rebuke in the supernatural. But once we have done that, once he did that, he just said, peace. Be still. Shh. He's speaking. 
And when he's speaking, when he's working, oftentimes we should be quiet too. I think it was Bonnie or someone was saying, Minister Bonnie, that we have to be okay with silence when we're quiet because it's there we can hear the best because God doesn't always shout. He whispers, it is well with my soul because he whispers to my soul. He tells me I am his own. That's what he does. So when God is moving, silence. Stop moving around. Be still. When the storm is raging, praise him in the middle of your storm. Give him glory for the storm when you're going to get over to the other side. When you're in the middle of your storm, show God your character. Here's why. Some storms are for correction. Some storms are for perfection. Some storm is because we were disobedient. And they self-inflicted storms. And when we got those storms that are of correction, because we didn't do what God said to do, God would allow for a storm so he can draw us closer to him. Some storms are for perfection. You didn't do necessarily anything. It was Jesus who said, let us go over to the other side. And all of a sudden, there was a storm. Some storms are for perfection. It's just to test our faith. It's so that you can see, okay, are we growing? Are we moving? Are we believing? He don't wake up and say, where's your faith? He deals with the problem. Somebody needs to hear that. You need to cry out. You need to humble yourself. Resist the devil. Cry out. He's going to deal with your situation. Even in, your, in our lack of faith. But he says, look, part of that is for a test. And here's where, uh, praise team, you can start to come. We're close. We're we about there. Amen. In the text, the source was faith. The symptoms was fear and doubt. So he's dealing with them with accountability. And he's asking them, going to the source. He asked them, said, why are you so afraid? The fear is because of a lack of faith. So if you are afraid and you're fearful, find a way that you can increase your faith. Find somebody you can walk with. Get one of those ships. Get in relationship. Get in fellowship. Become in discipleship so we can increase our faith because more storms are coming. All right. Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this man that, that greater than our storms, he's greater than our storms and our fears. Before Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, they were so fearful of the waves, like, wow, man. And then once Jesus spoke to them, then they were like, okay, Jesus, wow. Mission accomplished. Who is this man who holds us accountable to our faith? Who is this man that said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? 
Who is this man when he speaks, changes the atmosphere? He speaks, and darkness literally turns into light. He speaks, and dead things get up. He speaks, and sickness become well. He speaks, and bitter Mara becomes sweet. He speaks. What is he speaking? What are you hearing? What is what? What does the word of God? What are the promises that he's speaking to us? Can we receive it, even in the middle of our storm? Because the whole goal is to get over to the other side. As we prepare ourselves, our hearts and our minds, as we prepare ourselves to commune. If you read 1 Corinthians, I think, 11, it talks about let a man or a woman examine themselves. Yes, he's made it, encourages us to commune. But there is a piece that examine your hearts. And if there's anything that's not like him, give it to him. Commit it. I'm sorry. God, by omission or commission, say, God, clean me, wash me. Because we can't commune with a holy God in our sin. But the faithfulness says, as a child, if you just believe that his blood will wash away, I'm telling you everything. I, you, Pastor Brown, you don't know what I've done. Have you read the Bible? All the stuff that people and the people of God did, really? Why not you? Why not us? So today, examine and say, God, that thing, God, take it. The, the inner storms, take it. The familiar things that I keep going back to, take it. God, when, when, when something happens and I get the call, God, take it. Because, God, I believe that you can provide everything that I need. God, you truly are Jehovah Jireh. Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac. He made Isaac carry the wood. Isaac said, Dad, I see the fire. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? It was to him, God will provide. And as they built the altar, he put his son on the altar, and he raised the knife, and God spoke. He said, see in the, in the thicket, there's a ram off of the ram. And that place became known as Jehovah Jireh. God provides. So when we stand and we're going to get ready for communion, think about that he's providing atonement right now. That he's washing. He's ready. So examine yourself, and when you're ready, let's stand as we prepare for communion. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.